Hello and welcome to Braveheart Conversations, where we learn the art of love through brave and compassionate conversations. I'm Jillian Aurora. And I'm Marie Wallace. And we are your hosts today. Hello and welcome to Braveheart Conversations. I am Jillian Aurora and I'm here today with my special guest host. Um, I love my co-host Marie Wallace. Hello, everybody. And this morning, we are super excited to talk about a, a topic that's probably not fun for everybody, but, you know, it's, it's kind of what we do here at Braveheart Conversations. So we're going to be talking about grieving the living, grieving relationships. So I'm super excited to jump into that uh, today. Wherever you are joining us from, we welcome you. Uh, we are currently on hold with our Facebook Live videos, but they will resume once the stay-at-home orders have been lifted. So we are here today with you via Zoom. And you can find us on Spotify or Podbean and very shortly iTunes. So welcome wherever you are joining us. You can also find us on Facebook. We have a Facebook group where you can join us for conversations and um, and eventually we'll be back on live in that group. And you can find us there at facebook.com slash groups slash Braveheart Conversations. So please join us there for questions, comments, discussions, etc. So with that, let's go ahead and jump in. Um, all right, so Marie and I both have had some experiences lately where people have been asking about um, how do I move on from a relationship that has ended? Um, maybe you have ended a relationship that was toxic and, um, and you knew it wasn't good for either one of you. You ended it, but then it's really tough because you miss that person. You miss the idea of what it could have been, all of those things. And then also really um, dealing with this doubt of, well, what if he changes? Because very often what happens, and it doesn't have to be he, it could be any kind of a relationship, but very often when we choose to end a relationship, the other person has an oh shit moment. <laughs> and they're like, oh, wait a minute, I really don't wanna go. And um, what if I make all these changes? And then very often we get sucked right back in and those changes, don't last like those are very often part of a cycle it is so well known that you can look up the cycle um you can look up the cycle on most domestic violence websites or women's shelters um there is a, a very clear distinct pattern of um abuse it doesn't have to be physical abuse it could also just be uh, verbal abuse and, and toxicity where someone is taking advantage of you right it could be that they have behaviors like maybe they're stealing from you, maybe they're lying to you, maybe they're cheating, maybe they're um, abusing a substance. There's all sorts of ways that um, very often these lead to us deciding to leave, right? And or just um, not honoring either. It's, Sometimes it's, it's not, honoring. not honoring. Mm -hmm. Right. And despite how often we have said, hey, please stop, this is hurting me. Um, I don't want to be in a relationship where these things are, are present. Um, very often there's a, a cycle of lying or minimizing or all the things, and this can expand over years and years until we finally say, nothing has changed, I'm leaving, we're done. 
And then, then there's lots of ways to play with our head um, because very often they go through a short burst of change. So they get sober for a little bit or they go to treatment or they decide, yes, they'll finally go to marriage counseling or um, yes, they'll finally go to a 12-step program or um, they'll finally go get a job. Whatever the thing is that was the sticking point that's been going on for years and years, um, very often all of a sudden they're willing to do because they realize you're serious. So um, like we've talked about before, I think the average time is seven times that we get sucked into this cycle where we go back and, um, and try again and see if they're really going to change. And just like I said before, the cycle is, is all over the internet. Um, it's, it's very well known. It, it doesn't, stay, um, doesn't stay in that pattern. Very, very often, um, very, very high percentage of the time that person goes back to whatever behavior they were doing before you decided to break it off. So um, let's, let's dig into some of the, the questions and um, the, the things that come up as we're going through this process, because I think it is the hardest part to stand up and leave. That's, it's really, really tough. And if you've been through this or are going through this, you know that. Um, that's when you're dealing with all of the fears, you're dealing with all the voices, you're dealing with all of the, well, what if it doesn't work out? What if I can't take care of myself? What if he steals the kids? What if uh, he takes all the money in the bank account? I mean, all the things, right? This is the hardest, hardest part. And then it's followed up with a very, very vulnerable time. And he knows it, or that person knows it. Um, and you're vulnerable because they might step in with help and they might step in with, you know, knowing whatever it is you're struggling with, that they've got the answer. You're lonely, you're insecure, you're not sure of how you're going to make it. And they know these things. So Marie, what is your experience with um, grieving a relationship and um, and really letting it, letting it go and transform into something new and different instead of going back to the norm that was there before? That's a great question. I think oftentimes what happens is we're in our own cycle and our own pattern. And it's, it's really scary. I think fear is the driving force because the something new is way scarier than the old pattern of abuse that even though it's harmful and, you know, scary in a different way, something new is often more scary because the unknown, like you said, the what ifs tend to take over our thoughts and our feelings. And, it, you know, it just kind of sometimes overwhelms our body. And so then we start minimizing their behavior or their pattern and say, well, it wasn't that bad. It's, you know, way better than living on the streets or whatever story that we've concocted in our head. And so I have been one of those people, you know, many years ago for me now, but um, I did, I, I'd give chance after chance because some of us are just very hopeful beings, but we also don't maybe 
want the consequences of letting go of that relationship. For me, it was, well, I want to be married forever. And I don't, you know, the stigma of divorce and all of those, which fortunately we've had conversations about before here as well. But it's really scary to think about living on your own or, um, you know, maybe if, if you have kids, you know, being that person that's, that's over them and can I do it by myself and, you know, really stretching my own boundaries and my own comfort zone so much that it, it's sometimes easier to go back to that old pattern. And it's very scary, very, however, I mean, and we can talk about this a little bit later. The other side is there's probably someone out there who is supportive. And even if not, what you get to learn about yourself and what you are capable of doing and what you're able to hold those boundaries for yourself, the other side of that is amazing. You just own yourself and you own your decisions and you own the kinds of people you allow in your life. That was really long, but there you go. (laughs) I love that. I love that. So many good things there. Um, I I really, I love that you brought up really grieving the fantasies, um, grieving that um, you wanted to stay married forever um, and grieving maybe that identity. And and this comes up a lot actually in, um, in the clients that I coach as well, as we talk about the good girl identity. And a lot of these yes. roles and identities that we have felt pressured to play, usually from a really young age, and we may not even identify them, but the good girl doesn't get divorced. The good girl makes things work. The good girl uh, is compassionate and understanding and forgiving and gives second chances. And um, she wouldn't abandon her husband. She, she would, would try harder. <laughs> and she made a vow to stay in sickness and in health. You know, these are the these are the thoughts of the good girl. Now, here's the shadow side. The good girl, very self-betraying. The good girl is often not honest about her feelings. The good girl is often not authentic. No. The good girl doesn't stand up for herself. The good girl is actually often very manipulative because she's loving in order to get an outcome. She is being compassionate in order to get an outcome that she wants. And she's usually in fear because she's afraid that her being honest and authentic is going to destroy him. What if he commits suicide? What if he can't handle me leaving? What will happen if I leave him and he goes homeless or he um, struggles with mental illness or poverty or all the things, right? So there's that element and then what comes out of fear is um, force and controlling. So because the good girl gets so consumed with this fear, then she tries to manipulate his life to work out the way that she thinks that it should. 
So this is all the shadow side of that good girl. And the good girl identity is often hijacking us. It's hijacking our ability to make decisions for ourselves and really to shine, to be our best self. Because our best self is not the good girl. It's not. Our best self, we're here for a, a greater purpose than simply trying not to make waves. We are here to make an impact. To be authentic. Yeah, we are here to be authentic. And the, the authentic self is at odds with the good girl. You got to pick one because they're going to fight always. So you get to choose what identity you're going to focus on and which one you're going to feed, which one you're going to allow to take the, the steering wheel because very often that good girl has had the steering wheel. So give the steering wheel to the authentic self or what I call my warrior goddess, right? Because a warrior has a very different set of behaviors than the good girl. The warrior has a very different outlook. When I awaken my warrior, the good girl gets to sit in the back seat. <laughs> so um you know the warrior is not afraid of saying look i don't allow people to take advantage of me this is unacceptable this will not work goodbye this is how things are changing right the warrior has no issue saying those things the warrior goddess stands in her power Right? She's not afraid of having her own back. Not She's at not all. Afraid of being authentic and honest. And here's the thing. Here's the lie that we believe. We often believe that the good girl is more loving. We that's often, the way we've been trained too. Yeah, that's exactly how we've been brought up. Most of us. The good girl is more loving. It's bullshit, guys. It's bullshit. So. The good girl is not more loving. I believe the warrior goddess is more loving. And here's why. What honors me honors everyone. When I am dishonest with someone and I'm not telling them really how I feel and I'm not being authentic, I'm lying to them. That is not on yourself. I'm lying and to them and myself. Absolutely. Um, that's not loving. That's not loving if I lie to someone else about my feelings and about their behavior. And we often think that because the warrior goddess, the authentic self, the honest self, is often triggering and causes discomfort, that that must not be loving. Mm -hmm. The thing is, look back in your life. Because when I look back over my life, the times that I have been most triggered and I have been most uncomfortable and I have had to face really awful truths, that's when I've grown the most. Agreeing. Most powerful moments is not when somebody saved me, not <laughs> when somebody sugarcoated something. It was when someone in love, you know, not in meanness, but in love was honest with me. Or when I was triggered by somebody else living in their truth, by somebody else not being a victim, by somebody else 
being their authentic self. And I, it went like, oh, what, what is that? Like, there's something about that that's convicting to me. Well, it's convicting when we are that warrior as well. It, it's, it's knowing that you're living in your truth, feeling that authenticity. And yes, is it uncomfortable? It's hard, really difficult to say things, to own things, to hold those boundaries. And that's why I like that, that we're called Braveheart Conversations. You have to have those conversations. You have to own your truths and stand up for your truths and in your power and it makes it uncomfortable for other people at some point but at the end of the day it's you feel powerful you feel um engaged with your own life you feel engaged in making the decisions that you knew were the best for you it, it it's a really great feeling at the end of the day to say hey i stood up for me me and um and it's not at the cost of everyone else it's just i i owned my decisions i owned my truth and i stood up for what i believed in and the path and vision i have set for myself and the point and, I'm making is that it's not at the expense of everyone else it's actually at the benefit of everyone else when exactly whenever we are standing in our truth it's not unloving it might be uncomfortable it might be hella uncomfortable. In fact, you will probably experience the ripples of somebody else being highly triggered. That does not- Because you've given other people, oh, sorry. Oh, you're okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, I just get passionate about it. You've given other people permission, just like you were saying earlier, you felt when someone else stood in their power, you're feeling that and you're going, oh, I want some of that. I want to be able to own my decisions and my power in that same way. So yes, the ripple effect is, I was just putting an emphasis on it. I got real excited. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love it. The passion is juicy. Um, yeah. I just, I want people to take away that we often think that when we trigger somebody or we make them uncomfortable, that we've done something wrong. And I want you to hear you're not doing anything wrong if somebody is triggered or uncomfortable by your behavior. Because how often have you been triggered and uncomfortable and it's been productive and it's been yeah. something that has been really incredibly useful and been a catalyst for you. That's what we are. We're a catalyst. Yeah. And I'm not saying to go be mean. There's a, a big difference between being authentic and being mean. So when I talk about being in my warrior goddess, it's very different than being in the villain, right? Villain energy is icky. And you probably know exactly what I'm talking about because you probably experience that towards you. I'm not talking about being cruel. I'm not talking about being mean. I'm not talking about demeaning people and belittling people and, and all of those things. That's icky. I'm talking about being honest in love and being authentic to yourself and having your own back. That's a very, very, very different thing. So, well, going back to what you said and, and what we say almost every episode, what honors you honors everyone. And I, it, it, I think if that was the core truth in my head and I view each relationship is what's honoring to all of us in this moment it's a win-win and i think that oftentimes we don't believe 
in that the power of win-win and it is it goes right back to what honors you honors everyone it's a basic being human and kind to myself and sometimes we think that's selfish but we got to we get to be as kind to ourselves as we do to others and yeah anyway <laughs> we're getting really so excited the flip side is true also so what honors me honors everyone what honors everyone honors me yes and so my honesty honors everyone my um standing up for myself and having my own back honors everyone my having boundaries honors everyone and I want to tie this all back into, you know, when you are at the end of a relationship and you've, you've decided that this is, this is what you want and this is what is most healthy for you, you don't have to be ashamed of that. You know, the, the good girl voice often will interject herself <laughs> and say, well, how dare you? That's not nice. That's not, uh, that's not loving. And I want you to be able to have the tools to stand up to her and say, well, actually, this is loving. It is loving for me to honor the next chapter of my life. It is loving for me to honor my own needs and to say, I've had enough mistreatment. Um, one of the things that came up in a session this week and has been a little bit of a, of a theme, a pattern has been, um, you know, when someone, when, when you leave someone and then they say, well, I've made all these changes, right? I've uh, started treatment programs. I've gotten sober. I've, you know, gone to counseling, whatever the, the things are. Um, all for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I want you to explore what happens in that moment. Um, and this is another one, another hook. So often when women leave, um, there's some financial insecurity and sometimes there's gifts offered. Sometimes um, that person that you just left turns a nice side and they start um, wanting to give you money or pay for things. And very often there's this feeling in us that is like, no, 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 I can't have that, no. And I want, I want you all to explore why that feeling comes up. Because here's what I've experienced is when that feeling comes up, even though they may owe you a lot of money, right? They may have stolen money from you. They may have used you dry, sucked you dry, but then you have a hard time accepting that money. Why? Here is what has been true for me and what I've seen in other people is that we have gotten used to a form of manipulative and transactional love. So when you accept that money, you then think you owe that person. You owe them a second chance. You owe it to them to try again. So mm -hmm. I really want to address whether it's money or it's going back to treatment or it's doing these things that you feel you owe them where that's coming from. And I want to give you an example that is, it's, it's an extreme example, but I want you to really think 
about what you would think in this situation and then apply it to yourself. So imagine, imagine there is a woman who has been beaten by her husband within an inch of her life and she's in the hospital and she has to have reconstructive surgery. And let's say that husband pays for all of her surgery. He pays tens of thousands of dollars and he's very sorry and he uh, commits to treatment. And now she's not sure if she should return to him because look at all the good he's done. Now, most of us look at that situation and we would go, oh, don't go back, right? We all feel it. We're like, no, no, no. Look at all of the signs. Why does she feel pressured to go back? And I believe it's because she feels that because he's done these things, that now she owes him a second chance. But the thing is, if somebody hurts you like that, somebody almost kills you, that's a really ex extreme example, but it happens. Um, if somebody almost kills you, you don't owe them a second chance. If they pay for you to get surgery because they broke your face, you don't owe them anything. <laughs> like, like they shouldn't have ever put you in that position in the first place. Exactly. So um, we often, to a lesser degree, we, we do make these transactions. We, that good girl voice does start to kick in and say, well, you know, you really should give them a second chance. Um, they're trying. Okay, well, you know, it's, it's actually great that they're trying. It's great if they want to make amends. That's a beautiful thing. And you don't owe them anything. So, um, this is one of the big things that comes up in leaving a relationship and we get to finish out that grieving process right they're going to do everything they can to stop that grieving process they want you to come back in and go back to that normal marie do you have anything to say about that piece of letting go and that transaction those things that they will do to kind of suck you back in well, just using your example, sometimes we don't apply that to ourselves, that they're on the grieving side as well, and they're doing everything to get back to what they feel is their normal, and they're just as frightened about you leaving, and so they're going to drag on and do whatever they say or whatever they can and whatever say whatever they need to to keep you there because it is part of that cycle that you were talking about earlier they're just going to hold on and say and do anything it's it's very transactional and we feel going back to your good girl example we feel that well if i was a good girl i would give them another chance and for the sake of the kids i i need to do that for the sake of um, not losing my house or whatever it is that we're worried and afraid of, we're, we're willing to go back to it. And when you were talking about your example with it and how extreme it was, you know, it feels easy to see that we would make a different choice. However, we're, we're compromising 
even if it's it's a smaller example, we find ourselves compromising and doing the same things as, as we think that we wouldn't do until we're in that situation. We don't know, but you just really have to take a look at your own motives and if they are authentic for staying or going either way. Anyway, so that's where I'm at. Yeah, and, and I think um, we underestimate the hijacking of the good girl. Because yeah. I think very often from the outside looking in, it is hard to understand how that happens. But I actually just gave you a real example like that. That was a real example um, from a book about domestic violence. Um, it, it, it was a true example of um, actually from the man's perspective. Um, he was in an abuse treatment program and couldn't understand why his wife didn't want to return to him after he had just paid for all yeah. of um, her reconstruction after he um, almost took her life from her. So I um, actually know a woman that, that she, he busted her teeth out and broke bones in her face and she still went back. So it, it does happen. However, I just didn't want to minimize that people will, it's not, my situation is not that bad. It, you can scale it down and still see where you've compromised for something that sounds so ludicrous because he did these things for me. He made these changes and I'm not grateful. I'm not grateful that he made these changes and the changes are good for him. Mm -hmm. I mean, what, whether I stay or go, those changes are good for him to be making and and that's none of my business <laughs> right and you can still be grateful and still choose not to go back those are still yes. those aren't usually exclusive like you can do both you can still be grateful and honoring of someone else's recovery and still say you know this isn't a fit for me and every person even that woman who got her teeth broken out um even the woman who sat in the hospital after almost dying Every person thinks that somebody else has it worse and that at least I don't have it that bad. Yeah. And that is part of that minimizing. And even though any of us can look at that situation and go, oh my gosh, like that's, that's terrible. Um, very often we're all in similar situations where we've compromised that maybe our faces aren't getting beaten in, but there are things that we're compromising that are completely unacceptable. So it is a, a time where we get to be honest with ourselves, right? We get to, um, we get to really face the things that are uncomfortable. Um, and we get to put that nice girl in the back seat. <laughs> and bring out our warrior and say, you know, what, what would the authentic self, what would the warrior, um, what would the goddess do here? Um, because I can tell you they wouldn't allow unacceptable behavior to continue. No. That's not honoring to the self or to the other person. Because when we allow other people to stay in toxic and abusive patterns, that's not honoring to them either. No, it's not honoring. It's not even a place that they want to be in. They may not understand it. Um, but there's a reason why a lot of domestic violence ends in homicide, suicide. Um, there's a lot of suicides that happen when abusers take their own life because they are so unhappy 
So I want you to hear this too, that um, when we perpetuate, we allow somebody else's abuse to continue, it is really dishonoring of both people. It does not create happiness or joy for either person. Um, even though it's extremely uncomfortable to set boundaries and to even let them go, very often that is the very thing that is going to be a massive catalyst and key for them to move forward in their own lives and to heal and to perhaps find some happiness and find a different pattern. I'm not saying they will. Everybody has their own path. But we give people more opportunities to change the more that we stand up for ourselves and the more that we honor ourselves. I'm so glad that you brought it back to that because I'm going, I hope we go back to the catalyst part. Um, before we do that, though, I just also want to say if they do make the choice to take their own life or to whatever choices they make, that is not on us. That is a choice they made because they couldn't handle the situation and it's it's it has nothing to do with us but to move forward on the catalyst part because um that's the part that we forget to focus on is what are the benefits I, I, hopefully they they hear my heart on that what what could that be a catalyst for you mentioned on his side or in this case the abuser side and what about what is it a catalyst for me, me to be that warrior, for me to pursue and live and be who I was meant to be in this world? Sometimes being in that toxic relationship holds me back so much. I never dreamed I could do some of the things that I've done it because I was holding myself back. And I, I can't blame it on, on the toxic relationship but I'm holding myself back being held in these old ideas and these old ways and these old feelings and old patterns of me that I can't even explore what life could be like had I let go of those things and moved forward for me. And when I do that for me, I benefit the whole world. I benefit everyone by honoring myself. And we've talked about that in, in this episode as well, but I just want to keep going back to that if we could just move our thinking towards what could what could actually be the benefit of being what what could happen being that catalyst and allowing that relationship to go so that we can explore new opportunities of moving yeah, forward i love that you yeah brought that back around because um being a catalyst like it's very powerful in so many ways i can be a catalyst um well, I could be a catalyst for that partner. Maybe they do choose suicide or maybe they do choose um, another path. Maybe they, they choose to get deeper into drugs or whatever. And, and that's, that's on them. They, have, um, they already have that path that they're on anyway. So just like I chose to come to this planet to get into a toxic relationship, to learn to heal my own codependency, they're also on their own path. They're on their path to learn how to uh, be the villain and heal the villain. They're here to learn how to be the addict and heal the addict. So that, that is the path they chose. 
if they choose to leave this planet, they are allowed to choose to leave this planet. That's okay. We all have that choice. And as much as we like to pretend that we can control it, uh, we can't. If somebody wants no. to leave this planet, they're going to leave this planet. And we get to trust that that was the path that they chose. And we get to trust that that was when their journey was meant to end here. And we could also be a catalyst for them by leaving and removing ourselves from a toxic situation. We could be a catalyst for them to then heal, right? Because if we're stuck in this cycle where they have a target and they have someone to literally leech off of and pull the life out of you, because that's what they're doing. They're, they're cording into you and sucking the life out of you. Um, when we say you're not allowed to do that anymore and we remove ourselves from the situation, it does make life very uncomfortable for them. And, and guess what? When I have experienced that in my life, when I have stepped out of the way, I have dealt with the fears that somebody's going to commit suicide and they're going to go to jail and they're going to um, go to the mental hospital. And, and guess what? Every single one of those things happened. He attempted suicide. He stole a car and went back to jail. He did go to the mental hospital. He was homeless. Like those terrible yeah. things happened. And a year, year and a half later, he was a manager of a successful restaurant. Yeah. He got his shit together <laughs> and he moved on. And that had nothing to do with me. Like I got out of the way. That was my part. That was what needed to happen. That was the catalyst I got to be is getting out of the way. Very often we think that we're fixing them. We think that we're <laughs> helping them. We think that we're healing them and it's fucking bullshit. Like they, we're the only one who can do that too. They like, need you to get out of the way. They need you to get out of the way so that they can have their own path, their own relationship with the divine and they can figure things out. They don't need you to figure things out. Nope. <laughs> They're way smarter than you think they are. <laughs> um, and, and I had to learn that the hard way. That was hard to see that, oh, you know, when I get out of the way, things get, get a lot better. Um, so that's one way of being a catalyst. There's another powerful way um, of being a catalyst. And that is that um, when I chose to be free, when I chose to leave the situation that I was in, I also freed many other women because I share my story. I'm here talking with you right now. And this is how we get to be powerful catalysts. We get to share our light and we get to share our walk of freedom so that other women or other people, men and women can see that and they can go, you know, if she can do it, I can do it too. And if she figured out that, you know, the good girl isn't really the loving girl, I think I can maybe put that voice in the back seat too. You know, when we walk our path of freedom, we free others. And that is one of the most beautiful, catalytic roles that we could play. Maria, I know That's that you beautiful. have done that too. Yeah. It's, it's a really great feeling because when I'm honoring myself too, let's, you know, from my perspective, when I'm honoring myself, 
that my next relationship, if I continue to honor myself, I'm not going to tolerate someone not honoring me in that situation. And I'm more likely to choose better the next time. And, and so if we can stay stuck in the fear of what if I never, that's, that's a possibility, but I'm still living life on my terms. And um, I, I think the, way, the thing I used was I'd rather be alone than, and, you know, than lonely because I'm not lonely when I'm, I'm being fully myself and do, enjoying myself and being fully who I was meant to be. And, but the, the other part, it's both and. I, I, I have this strong possibility and likelihood that I will meet someone that will honor me in the same way. And I've gotten to, and I'm just gonna just say, uh, 25 years I've been with this man who honors me in a great way, mostly because I said I won't tolerate anything else in my space. And you know, someone said, well, men aren't like that. And I go, but men in my world, are like that. I won't tolerate someone in my world. And, and, and it goes for women relationships as well. But I'm just saying in this particular instance, when I'm picking my partner, as long as I honor myself, that partner's going to honor me as well. And so I've gifted them to be fully in who they are. And um, it, it's a, it's a partnership then. And it's, it's a, it's just beautiful. I'm just, I feel very blessed, but I also have to remind people it was something that I worked on every day. It didn't just happen for me. And it's not this unicorn uh, relationship. It's something that I work towards every day. And so does my partner. And then we come together mutually. So it's a mutual honoring. And that's what, what the goal is to be just to have a relationship that, that you feel that is honoring. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, I certainly don't want women to take away from that, that they are responsible, that if they just did better, their partner would be respectful. That's, no. that's not the case. We do get to teach people how to treat us, which is by setting boundaries, which means when somebody violates your boundaries, you let them go. That is how boundaries work. It's not you repeat them over and over and you just say them louder. No. That is just a, a, a fancy wish or a request. That is not a boundary. A boundary is a requirement that says, you know, if you hit me, <laughs> I will not be here, period. Um, yeah. So. I yeah. appreciate you saying that too, because it, it does people will try harder in there. And if I just hold this boundary harder, yeah. So I appreciate you putting that in there because that's sometimes something that we don't often think of or we'll, we'll, we'll bend the boundary around the person somehow to make them fit. <laughs> so, that's well, so But I do want to point out that you're absolutely right that you, the, because you hold your boundaries, because you would let Joe go. If he did something that was outside of your standards, you'd let him go even 25 years in. I you would. have your back. That is the key. That is the key. If you are wondering how to break the, the cycle of toxic relationship, Marie has it. It's that. <laughs> it's that she's willing to walk away for herself, no matter who the person is. 
or if, how painful it will be. If they violate her basic rights, they don't get to be in her space, period. So she has a beautiful marriage because they both honor and respect each other. But the second, the second someone in her space violates her basic rights, she will be gone. Yep. And that, that's how it works. When we have that level of honor of ourselves, people give us that level of honor. We are, people cannot give us a greater level of honor and respect than we give ourselves. What you're willing to settle for, you will always get. <laughs> so true. So Marie isn't willing to settle. <laughs> Not at all. So, and she didn't. She got an amazing husband. She was not willing to settle. He got a pretty great wife too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so glad that he cherishes you. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Man, this has been an awesome uh, talk. We've covered a whole lot of things. So um, if you are in that place where you're grieving a relationship and you have stepped away or you're in the process of stepping away and you're questioning yourself and the good girl voice is trying to hijack you hang in there i hope that we've had a few words that have helped you along that journey um, we'd love to hear from you even if you just need a word of support uh, if you just want to holler at us um, you can throw us some questions or some challenges that you're going through uh, you can even tell us you disagree with everything that we said. <laughs> we yeah, we want conversations. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, if you've got a topic that you would love to hear us talk about, uh, we're, we're totally open for requests. So send us, send us what you've got. You can reach me at defytheaverage at gmail.com. And you can reach Marie at marie at mariesgold.com. Yes, please, please write us and engage with us because that's what makes this better. Yeah, and you can reach out also again on our Facebook page. You can find us at facebook.com slash groups slash Braveheart Conversations. We'd love to engage with you there. And with that, I think we're going to wrap it up and we will be back next Thursday. We are here every Thursday for you, so please tune in. And I hope that you all have a fantastic week and stay safe out there. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.